What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley, once again, from OkanaganZ.com slash OZ is joining us here on This Week in Cannabis News. And uh, David, I uh, hope things are fine and uh, warming up where you are. We're finally out of the deep freeze here. We we think now minus 10 is balmy. <laughs> Hello, my friend. We've been up to about uh, plus five here. And every time I tune into the news, I just feel for the folks in Atlanta, Canada, oh. building the world's biggest uh, snow forts right now. It is unbelievable, uh, the stuff that is uh, going on in uh, Newfoundland, Labrador, etc. cetera. Um, okay, let's get into our first story. And this is one about uh, canopy growth. And, and we've, we've heard a lot about, uh, well, especially in our neck of the woods, edibles were delayed, drinks of vapes have now been delayed. And now canopy growth, there's going to be a delay on their beverage launch. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, we, we've been asking about our weed beverages. We very much want them. Um, these Cannabis 2.0 products have been exciting in their rollout, and this uh, definitely seemed like it was going to be a bit of a crown jewel. Um, but canopy growth is having some problems. We've we've seen the, the legal U.S. market seem to be able to get a handle on how to produce these cannabis-infused drinks. Uh, but Canopy says it's going to be delaying its line. They were supposed to launch this month, and now it's uh, uncertain, actually, when Tweed's filling its fridges across Canada. They're all standing empty at the moment. They say that they've been making, uh, quote-unquote, meaningful progress, whatever that means, towards production on a commercial scale, adding that they're remaining confident in the underlying beverage science. So I guess that's good news. <laughs> uh, but they're not there yet. So late last year, they created Buzz, and you probably saw some of those images of their uh, imminent drink offerings at the time anyway, which were two houseplant brand drinks um, that were quite eye-catching among them, and also the maximum allowable 10-milligram THC offering that they were calling Deep Space. Uh, <clears throat> now, the CEO of Canopy Growth, he says that they've, they've only had about seven weeks uh, eight weeks now, I guess, to work with the THC in their brand new beverage facility. So they've had a bit of a tough time, he says, scaling the processes up from the laboratory and bringing it to a more commercial scale of being able to create these drinks. Um, you know, alcoholic beverage drink has, uh, Constellation Brands has that big steak and canopy. And we're also expecting some drinks from Hexo and Tilray, who have also paired with, uh, with big alcohol. But nothing really yet. We've seen teas. And nothing busy, unfortunately. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the the teas um, as well, but also um, the ability to um, not take an alcoholic beverage to a social gathering and take a, a cannabis mm. beverage. And it, it kind of just sounds like that the product they were producing did not meet their standards, and, and that's one of the the keywords in the article. So. I guess we should say that at least they're not rushing an inferior product. Is that maybe the silver lining? Um, yeah. Yeah, you could look at it that way for sure. And it's tricky, of course, trying to scale up from a from just a smaller product. We saw some of those challenges too when they were rolling out flour. Um, that trying to grow on that scale created some problems. And I'm liking that we're starting to really – that LPs are getting a handle on that kind of process uh, on the large scale that they're doing it at. 
David Wiley from OkanaganZ.com slash OZ joining me here on the Cannabis 101 podcast as we talk about this week in cannabis news. And um, this is news, David, this next story we're going to talk about, uh, news that we already knew, but a lot of the general public didn't. And this is uh, in regards to the uh, the vaporizing crisis uh, that was going on in the States. Uh, the CDC has confirmed what you and I have been saying all along. We have. We've been saying that, that these uh, lung illnesses seem to be generated from black market uh, distillate vape carts. And that's what the CDC is saying. That's the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, they're saying that these lung injuries appear to be exclusively exclusively linked to black market cannabis vapes. Now, in Canada, as of January 14th, Health Canada says that there's been about 16 cases of these uh, vaping-associated lung illnesses uh, that have been reported. There's one in Alberta, three in British Columbia, two in New Brunswick, uh, four in Ontario, and six in Quebec. None of them have been uh, deadly. And uh, at this point in time, even though CDC is saying that it's all black market carts, there's still strangely recommending that the best way for people to ensure that they're not at risk is to refrain from the use of all e-cigarette vaping uh, products, any kind of vaping products, which doesn't jive at all with public policy in most of Canada, where provinces are selling distilling cannabis vape products through illegal suppliers. Um, and it's important to keep in mind, too, that none of this applies to dry herb vaporizers. Right. Uh, just just the distillate vapes and legal ones at that. That's such a good distinction to make because for somebody that's, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience with cannabis, they'll hear vaping and think everything, um, flour and distillates is the same. And vaping flour is very, very safe and much safer than combustion. And that's a really important uh, distinction to make. Um, the, the, uh, the, the good thing about this is that it's finally dropped its longstanding unhelpful recommendation, recommendation about this. I mean, they went crazy. We, we've talked uh, about uh, the assault rifle non-ban and then the vape ban. I mean, this just <laughs> yeah. took on a, a life of itself. Do you think the damage was done already? Or do you think that the vape industry of distillates that are legal can recover? I think that people who are generally interested in vaping distillate, um, you, you know, we're we're pretty tapped into this kind of information. And as long as as retail stores, as I'm sure they are, doing their part and educating people about what this means, and and you know, anyone who may have concerns, as long as they're asking the right questions to the right people, uh, they should they should get those you know more. Uh, scientifically backed answers. So that's that's the trick. We all have a responsibility to educate ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, research and, and knowing the distinction uh, between the two is uh, is so very important. Um, this is an uh, interesting story uh, that I came across, and, and we've all um, heard about uh, when you consume cannabis, you get the munchies, you're going to gain weight. But there was a story uh, that Leafly put out about uh, cannabis consumers slimming down. Uh, there, you know, and, and and this is something that we're going to see a lot of, David. I think the research being done on the plant right now is going to tell us some very interesting things. And 
This one is an argument against those people that say uh, everybody that smokes pot is fat because they get the munchies. Yeah, we've all heard those complaints about gaining relationship weight, and I, <laughs> I joke that I swear that I've gained legalization weight. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and I, I, I wish that I was joking, but I definitely put on a little, little bit of poundage in the middle. Um, so it may seem strange that cannabis could, well, scientifically speaking, could actually help shed pounds. And this comes from Dr. Stephen Glazer. He's the chief medical officer at Canaway Clinic. And he says, <clears throat> I'm going to do my best to to dumb down <laughs> science that's well beyond me. He says that new research shows that the average Western diet, uh, those fatty kinds of diets, can contribute to chronic and excessive stimulation of the CB1 receptors. And this is all part of the endocannabinoid system that makes up uh, our body. And he says that research is still in its infancy, but one study in particular is showing that the long-term regular cannabis use is linked to body mass index and obesity rates. And apparently when you're using cannabis, it can calm the overstimulated CB1 receptor in the body down from those wild Western diets that we have. <laughs> and that can have an effect to, to keep us slim. And in addition, Glazer says that there's another cannabinoid called THCV that can potentially suppress appetite and uh, could play a role in reducing the incidence of obesity. I mean, for me, it's starting to sound a little bit like those million research studies that show that having mm. a glass or two of red wine every night or, you know, a couple of pieces of dark chocolate is good for you kinds of studies. Uh, and for me, I'll always look at it from a more practical perspective, and that's if I'm exercising fairly regularly, eating a, an overall healthy diet, and trying to stay away from those real uh, cravings for peanut butter and jam sandwiches when the munchies kick in for me, <laughs> that'll all overall be okay. We used to lead the league in those stories when I worked at Global Television. I think we would run like three or four a week, and, <laughs> and oftentimes I'd be like, well, didn't we just run a story about this study uh, last week, the thing that uh, you were talking about the the diet and the, the Glazer, that Doctor Glazer says the ideal omega six to omega three ratio for the human body is three to one, but in the average Western diet, this can be as high as twenty to one, and that what what brings in the overactive CB one receptors. But I I think like you, moderation, and we're learning so much about the different cannabinoids that I wouldn't be surprised me if uh, maybe certain strains or certain different, well, there are strains out there for appetite suppressant and there are strains mm -hmm. out there to increase uh, the appetite. Cancer patients uh, are often given cannabis to increase their appetite. So um, they're talking about working the brown fat, which is uh, uh, responsible for trimming weed-loving waistlines over time. So <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to learn. Um, right now it does seem like the, the you know, Drink red wine and you're cured. Uh, don't drink red wine or you're uh, going to be an alcoholic. The 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 fast extremes, and it's just going to take research, basically, right? I think so. We we love discussing these kind of science stories, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the the many 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 more that will come. I'm sure. Okay, uh, this final story uh, took place uh, kind of in your backyard at uh, Lift & Co.'s recent Vancouver Cannabis Convention. Um, there was a uh, slogan, um, Kelowna's uh, Black Market Cannabis Brand uh, used the slogan, uh, and, there, and the, 
their black is BLK and their MKT. So it's a, a the, the I guess a shout to the legacy market. But their slogan was, "Once you go black, once you go BLK." Uh, their motto. Now, I did read a lot of stuff, and I'll get your opinion. My, just my short opinion is, you should probably just stay away from anything that it brings into race uh, because there's so many people that get offended. What was your first take on this, and and has it changed over time? That was the, definitely the consensus on Twitter. With uh, there's a general group of of a, a, well, a really close cannabis community on Twitter, and the initial reaction was that it's disgusting and appalling, um, that the, it's racist and not edgy. Uh, and black market is making quite a name for itself these days. I mean, they're they're fast becoming in BC known for producing some of the, the best premium bud that's available out there. Uh, and also now after listed co producing the most controversial tagline, <laughs> uh, I stand with you generally staying away from a race uh, appropriation. Anything that can even be construed that way uh, is, mm. is the way to go. Um, others are citing, however, the old saying that no press is bad press. And the G-Tech Holdings, which owns the black market brand under Alberta Craft Cannabis, says that it's going to drop the tagline. Um, still, they're defending themselves. They're saying that the, the detractors on this campaign were outliers. And the, the, really the reaction that it received, especially from the thousands of people that were going past its booths at Lifted Co. in Vancouver, uh, the, the, the response was overwhelmingly positive to them. They said that the, the brand was conceptualized by three individuals, and two of those are actually people of color. And it also cites its own diversity uh, in its defense, saying that their CEO is Chinese, their CFO is female, and the head of marketing is East African. Um, overall, they say that they wanted to create an edgy brand, and it's a, it's a real, real thin line to be walking um, you know, and love them or, or hate them. Everybody's talking about them right now. And that's, uh, maybe what they wanted. Well, yeah, they're getting pressed. I'm, I'm kind of torn and I'm not saying this is similar, exactly the same, but I see some similarities where there are some Canadians of color that use the N word. Well, it doesn't make it appropriate. And, that, and that's a real extreme. So I'm, I'm going, but I'm trying to get the point is just because there are people of color on your staff that agree with it doesn't mean everybody is going to, you still have to stand behind it. And if you feel it's uh, it's okay, you stand behind it, but no, you're going to get some, some flack for it. So they, they, they had to know this was going to create some waves. You'd think so. And the way that they were saying that they were trying to create an edgy campaign, they, they must have known. Uh, cannabis is, has such a stigma attached to it, even mm-hmm. now, and was viewed just before legalization. I remember a flurry of articles coming out talking about how it you know, was like a bro culture and insensitive. Um, overall, I've honestly seen the opposite of that. I've seen the cannabis industry to be professional and inclusive and progressive and all those great things. And, you know, I, let's take the high road, guys. That would be my advice to, to all, of the, all of the folks out there is that let's take the high road and try and uh, eliminate the stigmas. I am uh, with you on that. We have a, a hard enough fight on our hands uh, 
Uh, let's just uh, try to all cooperate. David Wiley is with OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. Uh, you can check out their uh, email newsletter and all the great stories on OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. Uh, David, thanks as always for joining me. Have a great week in cannabis, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, great to be with you. Have a great week.